Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Janie Hu, the Chronicles assistant sports editor, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler to take you behind the scenes of Summer League in Las Vegas and the NBA's offseason. I'm here with Scott Osler, a Chronicle columnist who is just back from Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, Scott, I think you were home for a few days and now you're about to turn around and head off to Lake Tahoe, State Line, Nevada. I'm sensing a theme here. Are you a betting man? No, as a matter of fact, I'm not. That's why I'm able to actually go to Tahoe. I have enough money left over from Las Vegas to <laughs> make a trip to Tahoe. So we're not going to be getting any faux expenses here to uh, make up some margins on your end. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Sounds by the way, when you say I'm, you say I'm taking you behind the scenes in Las Vegas, I want all the listeners to know that I didn't break any rules or laws. I, I was fully credentialed. I didn't sneak around and ambush anybody. So that is very. I was behind the scenes, but but legally. <laughs> no, I think uh, our, our readers know that um, one of the things that we like to do, or we're trying to do, with the Warriors Off Court pro- uh, podcast is, you know, we can break down the X's and O's, and that's that's all good and fine. Um, but we want to give you a little bit of the history and the, um, yeah, literally what goes on behind the scenes, behind the uh, curtains, what happens in the bowels of some of these arenas um, that you might not see on a regular, um, you know, TV or podcasts and, and that sort. And certainly, I think uh, Summer League ha- is the epitome of, um, I, I guess to me, it's the equivalent of baseball spring training, where it's just really low-key and informal, and you go to the gym, um, uh, at the, in this case, I think, are you guys playing at Thomas and Mac now? Yeah, they play at Thomas and Mac and also the adjoining arena, which is a smaller, more like a, a big gym that probably seats two or 3,000. Right. Um, so I remember uh, when Summer League started, oh, I want to say this was probably 15 years ago while I was uh, still on the Warriors beat, and it was not nearly the production um, that it is now <laughs> where you can watch every game on TV and basically all the teams are there. It was maybe six teams, and the Warriors were one of them because they, it was just closer than going to Orlando or Utah where the other leagues were. Um, and you could just show up at the gym, and you know, obviously back when the Warriors had higher draft picks than they have now, <laughs> this was your first chance to kind of see who the, who the savior might be. Uh, <laughs> like the name Marco Bellinelli, if that rings a bell. Um, yep. But the cool thing was you could also see players um, drop by. Uh, you know, big name guys. This is where all the agents and uh, you know, GMs and such uh, came. Um, is it still like that? Yeah, well, I've, I've never gone before. You know, I was never there in the early days when it was a small time deal. So this was my first experience. But I know from people talking like you, mm-hmm. how what it used to be, but um, I think it's retained a lot of, if you want to call it charm. I think, uh, in a way, it's, I think it's a good analogy. It's like spring training, but probably better, because it's, you know, you have all the teams concentrated in one gym, or basically two gyms, right. rather than spread out all, all over Arizona and Florida. So everybody's right there, and if you hang out for three or four hours, you can see just about, you can see all the teams, you're going to see as many games as you want to see, and you you can, you, easily you can see 10 games in a day, and you're going to see all the coaches, general managers, players, former players, all the rookies, all the hot new guys and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's all right there, and, and it's so far it's pretty accessible. Although it's weird that the, the main mingling place at Thomas and Mack Center is behind one of the baskets, and that's kind of where 
everybody. There was an open space back there. Mm-hmm. And there's always anywhere from 20 to 200 people mingling back there. It could be reporters, assistant coaches, and you know, anybody. And I just saw a memo since I came home. I saw a memo they sent out saying that from now on, reporters would be required to be in their seats during games, which if, if I read that correctly, it means no more mingling. So if they're going to if they're going to cut out the mingling, man, forget it. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was fascinating. It was, it's where so much of the NBA off-season business is conducted as well. Um, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you have the owners like Mark Cuban out there. You've got, uh, you know, the, the VIP, um, you know, Jerry West, that sort. Um, the players, you know, the level of competition eh, might be, you know, you call it what it is, right? The, these are guys that are kind of fighting for NBA contracts, right, if they weren't the draft picks. Um, but you have, yeah. like, a lot of the European scouts out there looking to see if there are players that they can fill up their teams with. Um, uh, but it is, um, you know, we, <laughs> I think I called you maybe two days beforehand because uh, before Summer League started saying, hey, Scott, can you, can you go out there and, <laughs> and see if you can shadow DeMarcus Cousins if he, uh, if he comes by? And uh, you came up with an even better plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, doing my little reading and research, I, I see that... Uh, I guess I heard this before, but uh, Cousins bought, last October, um, bought a house in Las Vegas. When I say house, <laughs> it's more like a castle, uh, <laughs> huge estate. And, uh, you know, I read about it, and it, what, his, the address was listed in one of the dimensions, so I wrote, got, got it on the address. So when I went out to a warrior practice one morning, I took a side trip over there with my Uber driver, and, and it turned out to be a gated community, you know, not only a gate, but it was actually two gates you had to get through and a guard shack and all that stuff. And so I, I told the Uber driver, yeah, let's give it a shot anyway. So I, at the guard shack, I gave the, the guard my, my business card, and he got on the phone, he came back, and said, okay, going through. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm... later we're pulling up at Demarcus's house. And, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't answer the door, but one of his guys came out and said, no. Um, Demarcus isn't doing interviews, and I said, "Okay, that's okay. I just I wanted to see the house up close." So. Was the guy like really nice? Was he kind of like, no, what he do you, nice. "How'd he you get here?" Yeah, this wasn't like a a, a guy with uh, with uh, armed. He wasn't armed and that kind of stuff. He was a yeah friendly guy, like probably one of Demarcus's high school buddies or something. Right, so, right. It was all good. They didn't. They, I was not arrested or <laughs> detained or anything. So. I'm glad you you took the. Uh, we wouldn't have wanted you to to you know be held for trespassing or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. but I, I have to admit, when you first uh, told me about the idea of going up and and ringing the doorbell, I you know my first thought was there's no way you're even going to get close. <laughs> so you actually got to the <laughs> That's doorbell. What I thought too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. That's great. So uh, tell me about, um, you know, I, I know you talked to Jerry West while you were out there. Um, what was the, uh, and, you know, uh, one of the reasons why uh, we wanted you um, out there was just to get a sense of the NBA's reaction, the greater league reaction to um, the Warriors yeah. adding DeMarcus Cousins to an already stacked lineup. Um, and what was the sense that you got from talking to folks out there? Well, the sense I got is, is some of them are kind of guarded. They're not going to say, oh, boy, we hated that. The Warriors pulled a fast one, or now it's, it's unfair. They ruined the league. So, so guys are somewhat guarded, but there were a couple of interesting reactions. Cuban, for instance, said uh, his attitude was, yeah, yeah, that's great, but let's see how it plays out. You know, a lot of things are going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in the locker room, stuff like that. Uh, and that was obviously a reference to... Cousins' reputation for being kind of a, a team buster and a coach killer and that kind of stuff. Right. So 
In other words, he's saying, yeah, okay, you got him on your team. Let's see what you do with him. And I thought P.J. Carlissimo, the former uh, Warriors coach, who was choked by the Charles Sprewell, he, he was there. He's doing TV commentary for the Summer League. Right. And he said, and most of the people said, oh, yeah, this is going to be great for the Warriors. And the guy, DeMarcus will be in his DeMarcus will be in his best behavior, and it'll work out great, and it's a slam dunk for them. And PJ's take, which I thought was interesting, was he said, I, "I'm surprised they did it. I'm surprised they would have the guy on on their team. You know, they have a nice team, everyone gets along, and this guy has just shown that he is not a, in some ways, not a good guy to have around on your team." Right. So PJ sounded sounded the voice of alarm. Right. So, As in, why take the chance when you have something that's obviously yeah. running really smoothly? Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your take on that? You think, um, you know, for me, I think that the the it, it's so low risk, high reward. The Warriors are basically yeah. not paying. I mean, five million dollars obviously is not chump change to the average person. <laughs> More right. money than we're ever going right. to see in our lifetime. But by NBA standards, it really is. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. One thing about the the five point seven that'll work to the Warriors' advantage because let's say theoretically, and who knows what's going to happen. Let's say. DeMarcus is unhappy with the situation or vice versa, right. and it just all falls apart, say, at midseason, if this is the worst-case scenario, but the, the Warriors can just say, forget it. Take your 5.7 and 5.3 uh, million bucks and, and get out of here. You know, it's not like they're paying $25, $30 million a year, and then you have to deal with him. So, so they do have an out there. Um, my reaction, I, I guess it wouldn't be as strong as PJ's, but I don't think it's a no-risk. I think it's kind of a low risk, mm-hmm. and I and I think I would have done it if I was them. I w- unlike PJ, who would not have done it, I, I would have said, sure, come on and play for us. Um, but I don't think it's no risk because there's so many factors. It's uh, He's a volatile guy. He's, you know, he, did, he did pretty well last year in right. the third of the season he, before he got hurt. Um, he was kind of on his best behavior, but you, you never know with this guy. And, and what happens if he gets in there and he... Um, Starts off and doesn't play well. Doesn't fit in right away with the offense and has some troubles. And maybe Draymond Green gets in his face and screams at him or something like that. Right. You know, there there are ways that the thing could go south. And as squared away and mature and whatever else you want to call them, the Warriors are as a team and individual personalities. There's a, it's it's still the NBA and there's always there's always a potential for volatile reactions to stuff. You know, the, the Warriors are certainly great at tamping that stuff down and, and and staying on track on business, but you never know, you know. Just DeMarcus Cousins, I know he's only one guy, but he's a big guy, and and it, it's, so I'm saying there's a risk. Right, no, I, I, I would agree. I think I categorize it as low risk because, as you mentioned, if for some reason the, it, it is just not gelling, um, he's causing some locker room strife or there's some other antics that are going on, to me, right. worst case scenario is they just cut him. And that's not, uh, you know, they're, they're not, it's not some $20 million contract or, you know, uh, that that they have to eat. Yeah. One thing, though, I'm, I'm with you in this, I think, is I'm prepared also for a best-case scenario, mm-hmm. which is that he comes in and he, you know, he's not going to average 25 and, and 12, which is what he was doing last year, which he's capable of because there's not that many shots to go around. But let's say he he fits in great and, and they love him, he loves them, and he plays his butt off, and, and you you know what he can do. Oh, yeah. He's a monster. <laughs> and if he, if he fits in with this, it, it's going to be a monster team. It's going to be that's the potential to be the greatest team ever, greatest starting five ever put on the court, I think. And, and if that happens, 
Uh, obviously, you're going to see a lot of bad games where they win by 40, <laughs> but you're also going to just see a, a just a beautiful form of basketball. You know, it might not be competitive every night because other teams can't hang with them. But when, if you want to see basketball played at its highest level, these guys might put that out on the court. Right, right, and I think what we're um, what uh, the what we're forgetting in all of this is we probably won't see a healthy Demarcus Cousins until about the beginning of the year or so. So there are right. going to be months um, that that you know are going to have to be played out before we do you know all these questions um, start getting answered. But for sure, yeah. I, I'm very curious what that locker room dynamic is going to be like now. Yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking uh, Draymond Green is going to be a key as always. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, he's going to be kind of. I think he and I think he and Cousins will probably get along in a lot of ways because they're both probably guys. They'll probably each get about four technicals a game. <laughs> but um, I think Draymond's going to see himself as kind of a a mentor. You know, he's a little bit. I think he's a little bit older than Cousins, and they've both been in the league about the same amount of time. So it's not a seniority thing. But you know, Draymond is known as a, as a leader and all that stuff, and Cousins is not. And if Cousins is willing to listen to Draymond in, in, in terms of not only how to fit in with the team, but how to fit in with the defense, how to get busy on offense, not just stand there, you got to move around, how to pass the ball. If he, uh, I think Draymond's going to be play a key role in that. Right, right. Um, absolutely. Hey, so before we turn um, the page on Summer League, a couple of shout-outs that I want to give. Um, one, um, I'm hosting the Warriors Off-Court podcast uh, because our uh, hardest-working beat writer, Connor Letourneau, is actually taking some time off this summer. Well-deserved. I know you were out right out there with him during uh, the, the playoff run. So I was, um, but I'll tell you, nobody outworks Connor. Catch a maniac. I agree. So we're keeping the seat warm for you, Connor. Uh, <laughs> we'll be ready to, to when you come back. Um, and, and the second bit is, uh, you know, again, when we're talking about Summer League, and it's, uh, I think it's still going on um, through the end of this week uh, into next as well. Um, and I don't know if you know the background of this, Scott, but um, Summer League was actually started uh, essentially by Warren Legary, who's a San Francisco-based agent. So we have a, a strong Bay Area connection here. Um, but yeah. uh, Warren, um, you know, it was it's interesting. Uh, you could call him a power broker. Or, or whatnot. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, we share a love of food and wine, uh, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but he made his niche kind of representing coaches, uh, including Mike Brown, uh, now with the Warriors, and Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Um, and he was representing European players. And uh, so, um, you know, kind of the, he had the, in a sense, the foresight to see that, hey, the, this, the NBA offseason, um, if you kind of united it, right, um, into yeah, an yeah. event where players want to be, where people have, you know, yeah. it's not a hard sell, hey, come to Vegas, right? I mean, yeah. you have the heat in the summer, but people like going to Vegas. <laughs> a lot of the players yeah. have off-season homes there. Um, but, uh, you know, turning uh, turning something, an event that you bring the basketball world, because I, I would say it's the epicenter of basketball um, every year now during the summer. Um, yeah. And yeah. No uh, I, yeah, and I think they said, uh, I was looking at some stats, I think over 100,000 fans um, were there this year. So, uh, you know, that that's my spiel in terms of I would say the same thing for uh, spring training like we were talking about it's a for fans it's a, it's great to uh, you know get head out there get a trip away um, and you know uh, the, the tickets are infinitely less expensive than going to an actual game <laughs> yeah. and you'll just have a very different experience um, and yeah. you know who knows who you'll see walking by because you are guaranteed to see bigger name guys coming through yeah and also I'd say a word about 
we're really tarting him up, uh, but but I think it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I'd say a word about the quality of play. I think some people have the impression that it's just basically schoolyard games where everybody's had to score 50 points and, and win a job in Europe or something like that. And I know there's some of that. The guys have to show what they can do, but the basketball and the NBA has become sophisticated enough now that you got to do more than score. If you can go out there and what scouts and, and manager, general managers and coaches want to see mm-hmm. is guys who can play basketball, not just guys who can jack up 20 or 30 shots in the game. Right. So you see, you see some legitimate basketball. They, they run plays. The teams practice every day. Um, so they, they're actual teams. They're not just a bunch of guys thrown together at the last second like in a schoolyard. Right. The teams, they run plays. They, the Warriors run the same kind of offense that the real Warriors run. Um, the guys work the ball. You know, they have a, a, a feeling for each other, and it's a high, it's high quality of ball. Plus, these guys are also young and hungry. You know, if you go to spring training, half the guys there are just trying to sleep their way through, sleepwalk their way through spring training. That's right. They're, they're trying to shed the yeah. off-season weight right. and all of that. That's but, a good point. <laughs> yeah, but in the summer league, these guys are all desperate, man. Right. Uh, and the, the intensity and level of of, of just the, the play, man, and because we get to sit near the basket, and you get to see this stuff, and to watch these, like, 18, 19, 20-year-old guys just zooming out of the gym and just playing hard and how quick and, and, and fast and athletic and, and what great basketball players are. It's, it's a good show. Right, right. Um, and it's family-friendly. Um, yeah. You know, a lot, lot of, uh, you know, or I, I, I've seen lots of kids around there. Um, and also, I think I saw a quote, uh, and I forget where it was, um, but, uh, you know, you buy a ticket, an all-day ticket, let's say it's 30 yep. bucks, it might have gone up. Um, I think but it's gone up a little bit. It's gone up a little bit, but, I mean, there's six games or, or whatnot. You could literally watch all day, and I think the quote was, like, yeah. it's cheaper than childcare. <laughs> so, you know, take your <laughs> kids. <and laughs> yeah, you can wander time. around. You, the snack bars don't have big lines. They're, 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 the crowds are big enough that it, it makes it exciting. The people are excited and they make noise, but it's not ridiculously crowded, so it, it's cool. Yeah. Right. Do not they... only that, but as I, as I mentioned the other day in one of my columns, it's so great to watch the games because they don't play the blaring music nonstop like they do in every, every single NBA arena. Right, right. So you actually hear the game. You can hear guys calling out picks and, and getting hit in the stomach and oof and you hear the squeak of the sneakers, and it's like real basketball, man. It's 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 really cool. That's true. Um, and I think, or, or I don't know if all the games are at Thomas and Mac. Now, when they first started out, they were at Cox Pavilion, which is on the UNLV campus, and that was like like a gym, like you know, versus an arena. Because yeah. Thomas and Mac, right. I think they can still get maybe ten thousand people in or, or whatnot. Yeah. The Co- yeah. I mean, Cox was just such a more intimate venue, and it was exactly like what you were saying. Like you can hear people in the crowd cheering. You can hear the 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 sneakers on the the you know the court squeaking. And all yeah. that and it's just it's cool it, it's just cool yeah actually the uh, cox arena a uh, cox gym or whatever it's called and the thomas and mac they're adjoining so just, you can walk from one oh, to the other gotcha they're so they're doing them on both okay yeah so you can walk catch half a game over here and walk over there and walk but they're like four games a day four maybe it's five five games a day at, at one arena and five at the other so you can see a lot of ball right so uh where did you stay when you uh went this time I stayed at uh, Harris. So you stay is that? Hmm. That's like on the nor- strip. North, way north, or is it? I guess my I, you know my geography my wrong. Com- compass directions in Vegas, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with what I was drinking or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> no, so you know, it's a, it's a short override. It's a ten minute, five minute override. 
Right, right. Having gone for five straight summers back in, you know, the 2000s, I think the best decision I ever made was never staying on the Strip. There was this, like, Weston that was, you know, the the same level as Caesar's Palace, but it was, like, just right off the Strip. So I could go onto the Strip, but, you know, I didn't have to walk a mile across the casino to get to my hotel room. (laughs) Like, it was right there. (laughs) I know. <laughs> the parking lot you was right there. You all the, the cigarette smoke and everything. Yeah. <laughs> the casino, yeah. <laughs> but, but some, you know, Vegas is fine, but there's some parts of it that I'm out of love with, but, you know, what the heck. Yeah, uh, yes, I, I, I <laughs> there, there are things to love and hate about Las Vegas. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the the key is, you know, to keep your sa- to keep be- to keep your sanity if you're there for a work assignment is to be very yeah. uh, smart <laughs> in your other activities. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, I, I just want to to turn it to the event that you're going out to go cover. Um, you're going to leave for uh, Tahoe tonight, correct? Um, yep. And this is the American Century Celebrity Championship, um, a fun golf event that really is more about uh, the the scene and the uh, star power um, throughout the kind of un- er- entertainment and sports world uh, instead yep. of the golf. Um, the golf is the, the, the secondary show. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake, um, former NFL stars, uh, Stephen Curry, the, these are kind of the perennial headliners. Um, yeah. And uh, again, Steph uh, is going to be out there again this year, correct? Yep, with his dad. With his dad, I and there's I just this saw a thing on Twitter today. That I think I saw them mm-hmm. walking the course today. So yeah. So do they have a new rivalry? Because uh, let me let me let me see if I can backtrack this. So two years ago, Dell beat Steph, uh, and then was it last year that uh, that the, that they had a bet um, that Dell yep. had to jump into the lake if yep. Steph won, and that's exactly what happened. Yep, that's what they did. <laughs> and they say they're going to bet again this year, but uh, Dell kind of indicated it might not be a lake jump because he's uh, he, he is, he's admitted that uh, Steph has a little bit better golf game than, than he does, which isn't bad. You know, Dell's probably a pretty good golfer. I haven't seen him golf, but I've seen Steph golf. I walked, I actually uh, golfed in his uh, foursome, what, two years ago or something like that? Yeah, I wanted and to man, ask guy, you about that. Like, what was that like? Well, for one thing, he, he hits the ball so well. And I'm not a professional golf evaluator, you know, but I've seen professional golfers, and I know some guys are good and some guys are bad. And most of the guys in Tahoe can hit a good shot, but they can also hit a lot of bad shots. But through that round, Steph hit everything pretty much on the screws, man. It just, I'm thinking, does this guy practice in his hotel room when he's on the road all season or what? Because he's really, he's got a really nice swing. It's really locked in. And he's got a lot, plays with a lot of confidence. It's like a, like a guy who plays all the time. And as we saw, he played on a, a tour event, a mini tour event last. Yeah, the uh, uh, web.com, right? In Hayward, or, I yeah. believe. Or, yeah. and, and did pretty good. Yeah. And, and uh, acquitted himself quite well. So he's a for real golfer. And it's, it's impressive to see this guy who, you know, we know he can do in basketball, but to be that that sweet of a swinger and in a sport he doesn't play that much is, is very impressive. Plus, you know, he's great with the fans, as most of those guys are, but. You know, Steph's a pretty big guy now. He's he's a pretty big celebrity, and and you know how he is. He just doesn't big late people. You know, he treats people nice. Everybody loves him, and it's <laughs> it's a pretty cool thing. He's by far the biggest celebrity up there, with the possible exception of Charles Barkley. Those two guys, if if they were the only two guys up there, they would still draw <laughs> tens of thousands of people. 
to have they played around together they should put them on you know with the with uh, with charles and and everything that he loves to to talk about the warriors and whatnot we've got to get them in like a scrambles or something <laughs> that would be great well you know they play uh and i guess on wednesdays so it's too late this year but they they go out and they do kind of a uh, like a pro-am where it's just for fun it's a preamble to the actual tournament and, uh, yeah, if we could get them together in that next year, that would be, be sensational. <laughs> All right. Because Steph, you know, he's a serious golfer, but he, he doesn't mind if you talk during his backswing and things like that. And and Charles is just all over the place. He's he's complete uh, lunatic. So. Right. Wait, so when you were playing with Steph, would he, you know, um, uh, would he really kind of analyze um, every shot before he took it? No, he's pretty, he plays pretty quick. Okay. He's... Uh, you know, like some of the pros are really, really slow. Some of the real pros, uh, he's nothing like that. At least he wasn't out there. Um, gets to the shot, lines up pretty quick, gets the club, and whacks it away. So, All right. Yeah, and he doesn't spend a ton of time on the greens or anything. He's just a very efficient player. Uh, very graceful. Yes. Absolutely. Um, hey, one more, one more for the throwback crowd here, um, and this is near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, when we uh, talk about, um, you know, basketball and summer league, uh, or summer league and hoops and just you know playground style, um, you you just had the uh, chance to interview Stephen Jackson, the uh, Stack Jack um, from our yeah. old Warriors, <laughs> we believe team uh, that I covered, uh, and uh, y- you told me that you guys had a really fun conversation, and he's one of, you know, he was one of my all-time favorites for the time that he was with the Warriors, it was just uh, kind of brought a, a, a just a, a, you know, a sense of truth to everything in a, in, in a, in a you know, odd way, I don't know, you would probably understand that just, you know, when you, when you talk to him. Yeah, I remember the first time when he first came to the team, and all we knew about him was that he shot up strip clubs and, and went in the stands and attacked fans and stuff like that. <laughs> so we just knew he was a horrible bad guy and a, a, a criminal and should be locked up and all that stuff. And I remember the first that time I repu- talked to him, he, Yeah, the reputation that preceded yeah, him, that right? It. Having sure, done right. The, the palace brawl um, and right. then, yeah, all, this, all the other off-court troubles. Yeah, and so he came in the first time I talked to him. He said, oh, what do you want to talk about? He sat down and he was charming. He does what so few athletes do. He looks you in the eye and, right. and holds a conversation with you. And it wasn't just because I'm such a charming guy. But he, I, I saw Which you are, of course. Just, he's, <laughs> right, of course I am. <laughs> but he's just, he, he's, a, he's a good people person. Um, and to, to prove that, he played one season for Popovich where he was basically their starting, uh, starting off guard, or maybe point guard, I don't remember. And they won a championship. So bad guy, Steven Jackson, spent a season with Greg Popovich as Greg's main guy on the court. And the, what I understand, the reason that came about is because Popovich went to him beforehand, before the season, said, we'd like to get you, but only if you promise to lay off the weed for a season. And, and Stephen Jackson, this has been published, and Stephen Jackson said, okay, I'll do it. So for one season, supposedly Stack Jack didn't smoke any weed oh. and, and played for Greg Ball. Now that... I don't think necessarily held true when he came out here, but he was a very charming guy. He was, I thought a really good player. You know, I thought he, he could do a lot of things. He was very versatile and a, and a very intense and, and hard nosed player and had, had a lot of talent and, but a good guy. And, uh, and, you know, Nellie, Don Nelson made Nellie him a captain. Him. He yeah. Came, yeah. He came out here with a rap sheet and just, he still had to do like a two month, uh, uh, work release program and all that stuff. But Nellie said, okay, you're, you're going to be one of our captains. <laughs> and people thought he was crazy, but it worked out. You know, he was a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, when I, when I did a phoner with him in advance of the big three last tournament last weekend, uh, 
I, I mentioned you. I said, uh, Janie, who says to say hi? And he said, oh, man, yeah, I remember her. She was great. She was nice, good to me. And he went on and on in praise of you. So Yeah, aw, that, that's great to hear. Uh, that, that was a fun, fun team to cover. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's, <laughs> uh, they were not, you know, uh, Stephen Jackson, Baron Davis, uh, Al Harrington. I mean, they had um, this, this kind of a, a larger... Uh, personality, right? They had an edge no to question. them that, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you were around for the for the you know obviously the the we believe era. It was yeah. era. It was like a year, <laughs> one playoff <laughs> run and change. And, and, and um, but there was just it was it was so different. And I obviously um, I left the beat when they drafted Steph Curry, and so and yeah. I, from everything that I've heard, that this locker room now is fantastic. Um, I'm not quite sure it has the same kind of types of personalities, and I'm not saying right. one is better than the right. other, but you know. Right. I'm glad to see that that they've gone through the these you know stages of having really you know good teams to cover. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and now we we're just talking about uh, Don Nelson a minute ago, you know Nelly being the coach of that team. How perfect was that? Because you had some sort of corporate um, button down kind of style of coach. I don't think it would have worked because no. Nelly, who yep. was <laughs> just as as crazy as the guys on the team. And it just seemed to work. Oh, you know? no. It, it only worked because work of forever, Nelly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, that's the only reason it, it yeah. would have worked. In no other circumstance would you have had these kind of uh, misfits and ruffians and, you know, outcasts yeah. and, and all that come together. Um, but, I mean, and they, in a sense, took on the personality of Nelly, right? I mean, we would, yep. you know, uh, certainly there wasn't that much media following <laughs> the, the team back then as there is now. <laughs> and this was before right. the world of, you know, social media and Twitter. And, and Facebook and all of that. But, you know, he used to conduct his um, post, uh, post-practice conferences. We'd go up to the roof and, you know, like Nelly would light up a cigar and he'd have a beer. Yeah, and that's on his picnic table. Yeah, yeah. you remember that? <laughs> we, we just, yeah. that's, we would, that, that was our interview setting, you know? And, uh, you know, so you could see that, you could see the kind of, the, 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 the team would kind of take on that demeanor as well yeah. um, in yep. just a very different way than that, that, won't, that doesn't exist nowadays, right? And it's not yep. for better or worse, but it was just so different in a different time, I suppose. Is that yep. fair? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> I almost want to save this for another podcast, but you recently saw Nelly and watched a game <laughs> of the finals. I don't, I've never gotten to talk to you about it on the podcast, <laughs> but tell us what that was like. <laughs> Well, I was in Hawaii, what, about a month ago on vacation with my family, my, my wife and my youngest son, who just graduated from college. And it was during the playoffs, during, uh, I think during the finals. No, during, no during actually, the you were back for the finals. finals so yeah, so it was during the conference right. finals. And I forget what game two or something like that. And my wife said, uh, we're on Maui, and, and Nellie lives on Maui. He has actually two houses there, two huge estates there. And she said, uh, you should bring him up and see if you can go watch a game with him. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I... I texted him, and I said, hey, can I come over and watch a game with you? He said, sure, come on over. And I said, uh, is it okay if I bring my wife and son? He said, sure, come on over. So we went over and uh, sat and watched the game with him up in his the kind of his poker room. Some people call it a man cave, but it's basically a, a big poker room he's got over one of his houses in Maui. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. <laughs> now he's obviously hooked. He was a little – he was kind of laid back then. He He, he – he told me that he doesn't uh, drink as much. Now, I used to, you know, he's a guy who enjoys his cocktails, right? And and uh, he told me he doesn't drink as much uh-huh. now. They, he is more uh, he smokes pot. And right. the reason he does that, he said it helps ease the 
aches and pains from all the years of playing ball and everything. Right. No, you've heard yeah. that from lots of athletes, right? Uh, right. That, 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 right. That could be the future yeah. of pain management. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not endorsing that. Or, right. Uh, one way or another, but that's what Nelly said, and he actually grows his own. So Nelly was, had, had been smoking a little bit, so he was, he was pretty laid back, let's put it that way. But, uh, <laughs> but it's always in, interesting to be around him. He's just he's got his own lifestyle. I mean, he lives there. He told me he never leaves the island anymore, except if he really has to for something. But he's, he's a Maui guy, and he has two huge estates, one on one side of the island and one on the other. He said, sometimes I'll go over here and watch the sunrise and then come over to the other place and watch the sunset. That's and he plays golf, and he plays poker with Willie Nelson and Owen Wilson and the guys almost every night when they're in town. And he just—he's got it made, man. I—I I, I have to say, he's winning at life. There, <laughs> he's making us all extremely jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're kind of jealous. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, you know, I, 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 I feel like this will not be the last time we chat and, and hear more Don Nelson stories <laughs> from Maui <laughs> from you. Uh, I'm, you've got some too, I'm sure. We'll yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will save those for another, a future podcast. Um, but right. uh, have a safe, tri- uh, safe trip drive out to Tahoe, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Jenny. Thanks. All right, thanks, Scott. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at Janie underscore who and at Scott Osler. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also follow us on iTunes. And if you have some time, give us some feedback.